Hello, everybody. It's Keith. Help support the Northeast scene and declare yourself a member today. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your podcast medium of choice. Rate us and leave a review. Every little bit helps. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. It has every podcast episode plus other exclusive content. Like and leave a comment. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TheNEScene. Also, continue to write us at NortheastScene at gmail.com. We want to share your experiences as well. And now, here's the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Northeast Scene Podcast. This is Keith. And Tommy. And we're here, despite some last-minute technical difficulties. So I, I go to start this thing up, right? And Zencaster just won't open. It just won't start. Like, the new page won't appear. So I'm like, oh, let me run these Windows updates. And uh, I think that'll take care of it, somehow. So I, it's the longest updates ever. We're like 15 minutes behind schedule right now, which is making me mad. Oh. And ma- I mean mad like crazy, like yeah. stressed. But we're here. You see, Tommy, we persevere through any challenges that are in our way, Te- whether they be technical or people or uh, outside forces beyond our control. Yeah, 100%. Per- we just don't care. I think that's the biggest <laughs> thing. Like, no, we do. Well, let me put it this way. We don't care about the outside forces. This is going to happen regardless. Yes. Like this is going to, even if this was just you and I, like for this week, it's like, I don't care. We're doing it. Like, this is what we do. And to be honest, there are no outside forces. Really? Yeah. People would have to care more for there to be outside forces. (laughs) We'd have, like we we'd have to have like competitors and people out to get us and all that stuff. That kind of stuff typically doesn't happen until revenue is is generated. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no treachery yet. Yeah, that's like like people will sample each other's songs, you know, until they're blue in the face. But as soon as one of those songs becomes a number one hit, that's when all the lawsuits come out. Oh yeah, God yeah, man. that's how it works. It all comes down to money. It's very sad. It is, but at the same time, well. This costs money. Like this, we don't even, we are negative money from this. <laughs> <laughs> Every week. Yeah. So we see where we are paying to be here with you folks and we love it. I, w- I wouldn't have it any other way, but real quick tonight on the show, the return of Scott Mellinger, yes. guitar player of Zayo. I'm very excited about that. And Creation's Crucifixion. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, that was a long time ago and... We we did cover that piece last time, so we we got to move on, Tommy. We got to move on. <laughs> I know you love that band, and I do too. But listen, Zayo has a new album coming out on April 9th, The Crimson Corridor. There's two singles out right now. They're excellent. I I'm excited to talk to him again, and to tie it all back, our conversation the first time got out, cut a little short because of technical difficulties. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, so this time we'll get some more time with scott and uh we'll talk until we're all sick of each other and that'll be it i'm really excited scott's a great guest and uh on top of that i haven't really talked to you this week we text each other a couple times but it's always nice to come on and catch up yeah i'm in a real 
introverted phase right now. I just don't feel like talking to anybody because I don't feel good, you know? Yeah. It's like emotional roller coaster because of what I was talking about last week. So I'm, uh, I've been silent and I, I'm, I'm good when I'm busy. You know what I mean? Like today I worked right up until five o'clock. Then I ran over to the grocery store and then I, and then I'm all of a sudden I'm depressed. I'm like, oh man, we used to go buy groceries and this is really sad. And you know, it's like, oh, it's like sh- shit like that. It's uh, up and down. Isn't it odd the things that set you off? Like yes. when you're emotional like that. And one of the things that I thought about this the other day, I had a dog that I loved, 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 this basset hound named Molly. And yeah. she passed away. And one of the things that she used to do that used to drive me nuts was she used to chew on this bone but she didn't chew on it in like this normal way. It almost sounded like her teeth were cracking when, when she would eat it. And it was totally fine. I mean, it was like actually cleaning her teeth and it was doing a great job. But my dog did it the other day and obviously different dog at this point. This my Molly's been dead for 15 years. But I I heard that noise and it took me back to that instant of me being like mad at the dog. And I was like, how could I be mad at such a sweet little animal? <laughs> All she wanted to do was play with her bone. Like it, it, that's such a weird little thing to kind of bring you back into that, like that moment. But I got kind of emotional because I looked at my dog and I was like, Oh, what if she passes away soon? It was just not cool. Yeah, man. It's, it's really weird. I, I went up to see a friend in sleepy hollow in New York this past Saturday. And last time I went to visit him, I was with my ex. So that was a whole thing. Even grocery shopping. That's a whole thing. But Separate from that, I spent $200 on an original Legend of Zelda NES cartridge. It came with the box and the map and the instruction manual and everything. And I started playing it this past week and plugging that game into the actual Nintendo that I had when I was growing up. And that music coming on and seeing the waterfall and everything in the opening screen. Oh, God, yeah. Dude, it was like a major emotional experience. Because I just think think about me and my brother's being very young, one of which is dead. I had an older brother who died from diabetes when he was 17 and uh, the day before my 16th birthday. So I don't know. It's, 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 it's almost like a connection to those times when all of us were still here and together and things were a little more innocent, you know? I actually, I, I think the same thing when I play Nintendo. I, it's, a, it's a throwback to a simpler time yes. when my biggest worries were, what are we having for dinner and what time is my mom going to make me turn off Nintendo? You know, like that was, that was a, and the, and you know, at the time you were just like, Oh my God, I can't believe all the things that are happening in my life. But if I knew the stressors and the things that were coming forth in my life, I would have been much more grateful for those three hours a day. I would spend playing Nintendo (laughs) only three. I was real big into being outside, and when I did get into a game, like Zelda was one of the ones. Like the first Legend of Zelda, um, I would play. Like on a Saturday morning, I would wake up, get cereal, and I would play all day. Um, Yeah, you know, we would rent games because we couldn't afford to buy very many. And I would get up at 6 in the morning and start playing the game because you have to, like, beat your brothers to the console. Oh, yeah. When you got games, what did you... How did you choose? Because I remember doing this one time where I was like, I'm going to get this game. And I got Spy Hunter and I got home and I was like, 
what the fuck? <laughs> like, you didn't like it? I did not like it. And I remember the cover being awesome. Like I thought it was going to be like a shooting game. And then all of a sudden I'm like driving a race car and like shooting out oil slicks. I'm like, all right, this is cool. But it was definitely not what I expected. That game is my gateway drug, if you will, into a lifetime of video game playing. Spy Hunter? Yeah, on the ColecoVision. Oh, shit. My earliest memories are being like five years old and wanting to sit inside and play that game and only do that and nothing else and being forced to go outside. <laughs> and I, I've been looking for it. I saw one pop up on eBay with the box and everything for $200, but I can't spend another $200 right now. I just can't do it. So hopefully I come into some money and it's there or it pops up again. Ew, I actually have a question about when you're looking for games on eBay, you're not you're clearly not using them. You're, you're not collecting them. But have you stumbled across games that you're like, if I ever became very wealthy, I would purchase this? Like, of course, I've seen sealed Ninja Gaiden 2, sealed Super Mario 3, sealed Mike Tyson's punch out ranging anywhere from three to ten thousand dollars i i tagged you in one that there's a guy i follow on instagram uh minus worlds and i follow him and i tagged you in i forget which one that i tag you in was it super mario was it, three was it three yeah eight grand <laughs> yeah if i was obscenely wealthy i would not collect ferraris or cars or you know i'd have like really nice clothes and i would buy original sealed nintendo games that would be my thing, and I would display them all. You you brought up a good question. How did you select the games? I've thought about that, and I don't know. I guess it was just word of mouth or sequels to games that I liked, and I wonder. It was a gamble, you know. Oh you yeah. Just look, you look at the box, I guess, and hopefully you like the game. Yeah, I actually, I specifically remember Spy Hunter, one of the ones that disappointed me. The other one that really got me, and I was very upset about this, was um, it was along the lines of like a Dragon Warrior, the yeah. uh, Gauntlet. Uh, the outside is like, it almost looks like a Golden Axe kind of game. Like there's like this ripped dude with like a sword and an axe and this like hot chick wearing like a shell bikini or something like that. And I was like, <laughs> dude, this game's going to fucking be awesome. Um, it's a top down player. And you are literally going around being like, I want to collect potions. I'm like, this fucking game. You got to be kidding me. <laughs> like, I remember when I got home, I was so mad. My mom was like, why aren't you playing your game? I'm like, that game is terrible. <laughs> yeah, we. I remember we tried to rent Dragon Warrior and I was just not into it. I was not into the RPG stuff when I was a kid and yeah. not even so much now. Uh, Zelda 2, we tried to rent a couple times, but it was just obs- too obscenely difficult. So that didn't work out. But my pri- my claim to fame is uh, renting Ninja Gaiden 2 and beating it that weekend. Oh, really? That's a really tough one. That is a really tough game. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I don't think I remember Ninja Gaiden 2 as well. I keep I always get Ninja Gaiden 2 confused with, remember, uh, Shinobi for Sega Genesis. Yeah. That, I get those two confused. And, I, and when I see gameplay on YouTube, I still look at them and go, I forget which one's which. Well, Ninja Gaiden 1 and 2 are excellent. 3 is, it's like offensively difficult. Uh. The Japanese version is just a regular game, but they upped the difficulty to uh, absolutely obscene levels in the American version. And it's just, it's not fun. It's, it's just so difficult that it's not even fun. And I, on Christmas Day, I played through all three of them. I got all the way through part three using save states. 
I got to the very last boss, but there's like a timer in the game. You know, it's like one of these old games that has yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, I didn't have enough time to beat the boss. Oh my God. So it was all for nothing. And I was like, well, I'm not playing this again. <laughs> I remember I watched, I played, um, I didn't actually have it. I, I borrowed it from my friend that lived up the street from me, this kid, Kevin. Um, remember Battletoads? Oh yeah, that's another obscenely difficult one. There was a uh, a level where you had to jump from. I think you were on like a like kind of like modified motorcycle, kind of like in the air type thing, and you had to jump through all these laser beams. Dude, I remember playing that game over and over and over again, and it's the same level, and just getting destroyed and being like, "How does anybody beat this?" And then as an adult, I found that uh youtube channel uh that guy summoning salt and he did like a whole thing about the most difficult levels in all of nintendo and that was one of the levels he listed and i was like you know what makes sense because you know 10 year old me was like about to have a goddamn conniption in my living room yeah there's these ramps that are in the air and you have to kind of jump and hit the ramp in midair i could never do it yeah i just it, it was beyond frustrating and it was one of those uh it was one of those games that I thought like, oh, I'm going to be okay with this. Like, this is fun. Because the first few levels are deceptively, it's like Double Dragon kind of style, like fighting game. And yeah. it's, it's fun. And it, you're having a great time. You have all these interesting attacks. And man, it, that just that whole level just killed me. I hated that. I want to revisit it at some point. But right now, we're going to talk to Scott Mellinger of Zayo. Enjoy. All right, folks, we're here now. With Scott Mellinger of Zayo. Scott, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me back. Absolutely. You know, the last time we spoke was, well, our, your last episode went up on June 15th of 2020. Oh, man. And that feels like a century ago. It actually does. <laughs> <laughs> so much has happened since then ups, downs. Uh, thrills, chills. To, uh, what, to give us a little bit of what's going on with you. <laughs> and the sad thing is, is absolutely the same. Nothing cool other than putting out a new record. But yeah, I mean, we were trying to put that record out last year. So, oh, really? Uh, yeah, like we were hoping it would have been out like around the time. I think very soon after we talked. But yeah, so we were f- kind of just working on all that stuff. Everything else. Was just, I mean, with COVID being stuck, doing nothing, you know, that's kind of how we were. You know, it's funny. I talked, I feel like my life ch- completely changes every month, but a lot of guests I talk to are like, you know, like, yeah, everything's kind of the same. What does that say about me? I must have a lot of stuff going on. That's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I'm doing a lot of, I'm doing a lot of inner work. You know what I'm saying? So it's oh, like... like- personal interpersonal work yeah Uh, like sorting through the wretched past and you know building on new experiences and all that kind of stuff so it's almost like every month is a completely new month it's a wild journey wow that's wow good yeah i'm happy to hear it's tied in with like i don't know if we talked about this last time but i was like i used to abuse drugs and alcohol heavily okay okay for over a decade so once i stopped doing that there's a lot of cleanup work, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. To, like, build a new life and discover who you are. So it's, like, it's a crazy journey. I'm I'm so happy to hear that, that that journey is going in a good direction for you. It is. 
What about you, Scott? Do you get down? Do you drink? Do you smoke weed? Do you smoke crack? Anything like that? <laughs> well, um, I'm definitely a light drinker and a light weed smoker, I guess, but I've never let either of those things take over any aspect of my life. So, but I mean, I totally appreciate and the whole like not doing any drugs was always like a thing for me too in my younger years. So, yeah. uh, I still kind of, you know, think people that do nothing are it's going to be better for you, I guess. But like, I have really no problem with, with a little beer here or there, like smoking a little bit of nature's herbs. Exactly. And you, you know what? I think that's great because like, I would be doing hard, hard drugs and I, I would be offering them to people and they'd be like, <laughs> the, which is crazy in itself. And they'd be like, no. And I'd be like, like I would do any drug anyone put in front of me, even if I didn't like it. And I'd be like, that's crazy, man. Like, you can just say no? Like, how? Yeah, that's... <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, I never actually got into anything other than that. I mean, uh, psychedelic mushrooms, maybe. Yeah, Actually, yeah, I did that a lot, too. But that's about is the extent of, like, anything crazy. I was always very into the natural. Uh, not a big fan of trying anything that wasn't natural, I guess. That's the way to go, honestly. I think with anything that when you go when you go excessive with anything, yeah, there's that initial like, oh, this is kind of thrilling, and then there's it wears down very very quickly. I noticed that like with just anything that I've used in the past, like I'll smoke and I'll go, this is great, and then it's like one puff too many, and I'm like, I can hear my hair growing. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't like this anymore. My fingernails are too long. I got to go take a shower. Like it, it was always like I got too inside my own head and i'm like yeah it's probably good i just take a step back from all this for a long time yeah I, i'm man i like i feel bad because i can't totally relate to like the that harder edge drug stuff and and being but i can completely understand the overtake of your like existence with it so but like you said i mean it's anything like people eat like crazy if you go to mcdonald's every day what, what's it what's any better you know, how's that any better yeah, exactly. Your body still gets physically dependent on it. And yep. listen, I've done my share and your share and Tommy's share of drugs in my lifetime. And it was more of a coping mechanism because I mm -hmm. felt so uncomfortable in normal life. They yeah. eventually became like my prescription, if you will. But mm -hmm. you know what? It's not a problem anymore. So it's all good. good. But I want to talk about this new album. Great segue. <laughs> <laughs> We're experts here at the Northeast scene. The Crimson Corridor, mm -hmm. the new Zayo album, coming out April 9th, 2021. And folks, pre-orders are up now. Yeah. So get get on that. Now, you said you were trying to get this album out last year. What was the delay? Was it COVID? Was it other stuff? Was it both? Yeah, I mean, well, we had the, the record was done uh, the beginning of last year. And our plan was to have it out like April, May-ish of 2020. And even though Zayo is not a huge touring act, like we still felt a little awkward releasing a record that we can't like do anything for. Yeah. Um, even though like, I don't, I mean, I think a lot of bands made the right decisions just to release stuff because I think people were really in need of like some, some like music's a coping mechanism too. So like people need that to get through whatever they were going through. So um, I think that there were a couple bands that released some records, even though they knew they couldn't tour. And I, commend them and i think they probably helped um we 
looked at it like, well, we kind of want to just wait because we don't want the record to be out for like a year and a half. And then we finally play it. I mean, but that could still happen. We, I, you don't know, you know, we're going to, we're releasing in April. There are things that are being booked for fall, but you never know if something could fall back. Things could get crazy and they have to cancel things. So, but right now, like we're to the point where we really want to get this thing out there. We're ready. We're chomping at the bit for people to hear everything. And we're really excited and proud of it. Yeah. I mean, the two singles that are out right now are incredible. So I'm really looking forward to this album. Are you guys playing uh, Furnace Fest as well? Yes. As long as it happens, yes. That's awesome. I, I really hope it does happen because I already have a ticket and I think Good. Tommy is planning on going as well. Perfect. Yeah, I haven't been as excited about <laughs> a show as I have been with this thing. I, I think Furnace Fest could end up being one of the most amazing experiences, especially if it ends up definitely happening. And it seems like it might be one of the first like real type of concerts like that to hit. So as long as it's safe and everybody's you know, nobody's going to get have any problems. I, I'm super excited. I think it's going to be pretty awesome. I don't even know what to say. It's like when I look at the lineup, it's almost like a parody poster of like a a scene fest or something like that. It's literally every band I've ever liked. Yeah. Like all of them. Well, dude, my favorite, like this, so they had to like push this back a couple times there because it was happening. It was supposed to happen in 2020. Then it got pushed back to May. Now it's pushed back to September. I'm actually selfishly happy because there were bands that are playing the day we play now that weren't playing our day and i was so 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 mad so <laughs> now like a lot of the bands i was super excited to see are playing the same day we are so who are you excited to see oh i cannot wait caven's been like one of my favorite bands in that scene for since like zeo started so caven converge is a huge favorite every time i die is a huge favorite um there are some bands like further seems forever's we've been friends with them forever. I love, I actually really love that band, but, but they're playing a different day. Juliana theory is playing, I think Sunday. So that's kind of a bummer, but, but man, Friday, the day we play, as long as it stays, Oh, I think misery signal. I mean, there's just like, I've always for, there's too many, there's too many, like you said, there's too many bands and I'm just super excited. The only thing I'm not sure about yet is I don't know how the fest is running. So I don't know if like, Part of what festivals like this excite people for, I think, is because I'm a I'm a pretty social guy that like there's so many friends we've made over the years with other bands. So like part of this thing is just getting to see those friends that you don't get to see, right? Exactly. So I don't know if like the bands are allowed to be there all three days. So there's like I'm I'm getting a little uh, bummed out because I don't yeah, I don't know. Especially with like depending on how they're gonna do everything, if there's gonna be some sort of you know, stipulation on how many people can be there. Like it's not going to be, you're just not feasible to have every band plus all the attendees, you know? So not sure how that's going to go yet, but, but I'm still excited. Friday's going to have, I mean, it's just jam packed with awesome stuff. So I'm really looking forward to it because that, like I mentioned, every band I've ever liked is playing. I'm Mm -hmm. excited to see mineral, even though I've seen them twice Mm -hmm. in the past eight years or so already because they're just unbelievable live and hate breed yeah like it dude it's i could see i mean and poison the well just got added again so yes this festival is literally everything and every band that we all remembered that are still playing yeah and like 
I, it's just, ins- I don't even know what to think. Like I, I, I do know what's going to happen. And this is what I hate about these festivals is it's going to be overwhelming. You're going to get there and it's going to go the whole day. maybe last three seconds. And yeah. then, yeah. then it's over. That's the one ups. Like the, I'm a little bummed out if that's going to happen, but yeah, I'm worried about like, having the energy to get through an entire day of shows because tommy and i go to this is hardcore in philly and we show up at 6 p.m and by 11 p.m i'm like i gotta go home (laughs) (laughs) well dude that festival is hardcore i mean like yeah you know you can't really i think furnace fest they'll have you'll be able to like ease yourself i'm hoping Maybe. I might spring for the VIP package one day, so I, I'm, I'm, I hope there's like a backstage where I can lounge or something. Yeah, that's another thing. It's unfair. All the bands get to like chill out and then watch. Like we can watch on the side of the stage and sit there like we're super important or something. <laughs> yeah, I need to get on that tip. Scott, you got to get me on stage. <laughs> on stage? During the Zayo set and every other set. <laughs> okay, that, let, me, let me put that in my notes. Just, yeah, just yeah. jot that one down. Just set a reminder for September 24th on okay. your phone. I was going to say, I, you know what? I really like this. There's some really, really heavy bands on there, but there's also some really good – like you mentioned Mineral, but I saw two bands on there. Actually, the one band is playing the day your guys, you guys are playing, Unwed Sailor. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's another band that like we've all been super close with, friends with from – like Jonathan Ford, I've known Jonathan since I joined Zayo. So, wow, um, so it's like twenty years ago. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, this, that's it's going to be like a huge reunion of just awesome stuff. But I, I do agree, and this is what I love about these type of festivals. Like, I love that because when we first started, that's what it was always like. You yeah. would play like there'd be like a metal band. We talked about this last time. There'd be like yeah. a metal band, and there'd be like some weird like emo band, and it all worked because everybody just was a part of the scene, and we just wanted the scene to grow. And Furnace Fest was an outgrowth of that. And I love seeing that they're hopefully, you know, they're keeping that spirit alive. I love it. Yeah, I'm I'm happy there's a good mix of bands so it won't all just be one thing. And also to be able to say hi to a lot of people because Tommy and I have been doing this podcast for over a year now. Oh yeah. We haven't left our homes. Like we haven't yeah. <laughs> we haven't been to a show. We haven't been able to say hi to anybody. It's just like all we're looking at is these recording lines on the screen. Yeah. We end like every other conversation with, all right, when, when, you, when you guys come through, yeah, yeah. we're going to link up. And then it's like, ah, we'll see when that happens. <laughs> like One day. Yeah, in, in a year and a half. We'll see. Well, look at, <laughs> I mean, from what I understand, New York is having like lower attended concerts, but I think they're starting it up in April. Wow. That's what they said. Yep. So you have New York. I think New Jersey is probably going to do that. Pennsylvania is still being a little more careful. But the South, I don't think those people ever cared. They just kept stayed open for the whole time. <laughs> no. Yeah, but they did. One of my good friends at work, his mother is a teacher in Georgia. And we were talking the one day. I was like, so how's everything going with your mom? And he goes, they've been in school since September. Like, yeah. They started school like normal. You know, they try their best to social distance. And, you know, they have, they wear masks. But mm. school has continued like normal, everybody's been in, in a classroom. There's no hybrid option. There's no like, hey, you can join classes through Zoom. It's like, no, you you come to school. Like, that's it. Wow. wow. I mean, we, yeah. my daughter's been in class for the whole, I think since December, they put them back in school. But we have the option to, she can do Zoom at home. We have like, we can do whatever. Um, her her school's pretty small though, so. Has there been any problem with the kid going back and forth to school? Not so far. We've been pretty good. It's And like I said, it's been over four or five months now. So, Have you been able to get vaccinated yet? Not yet. In Pennsylvania, there's still 
you have to be a certain um, like age bracket and all that kind of stuff. So they haven't opened it to everybody yet. Yeah, I keep checking the website here to see if I can. I'm not eligible yet. Yeah, and neither am I. Yeah. I was eligible just because uh, New Jersey opened it up to teachers. Oh, awesome. So so I was able to get mine uh, last week. You meet two criteria. Well, that's, yeah, I was going to say that's actually, my boss at work was like, hey, I was able to get mine. Are you still trying to find yours? And I said, yeah, I, I can't find anything. And he told me his trick was, he contacted uh, both Rite Aid and CVS and was like, hey, what time do the actual like vaccination appointments go live like on the website? And the pharmacist told him right around 530 in the morning they start. So wow. I set my alarm every day. Uh, my wife and I both set our alarms. So she would do CVS. I would do Rite Aid. And they ask you a series of questions. And the question was, one, how old are you? Because mm-hmm. they want people over 65 first. Yep. Um, the second question was if you're a teacher and so I was a teacher, so that let let me go to the next page and it said, do you have any conditions that would predispose you to being more, uh, affected by COVID and mine falls under immune system response. So I was like, yeah, that I don't have a spleen. I lost my spleen when I was 16 and they were like, yep, go to the next page. And we did it like three or four days in a row. And on the fourth day, my wife sat up in bed like because we were doing it on our phones, just laying there at five o'clock in the morning. She just sat up and she goes, I think I just got an appointment. Wow. Like, Are you serious? And she's like, I think I just got you an appointment. I'm like, get out of here. And two seconds later, she checked her email and there was a confirmation. And she was like, yo, you're going in March 15th. Damn. You're, you're ready to go. And I was like, it, it, I had to go, obviously, because uh, I, I teach in Jersey. My my vaccination was in New Jersey. Okay. Um, the nice enough part was is that uh, – I called work and said, yo, I'm getting vaccinated. And they were like, we'll find coverage for you. We'll find subs. Don't worry about it. You, you get there and get as soon as you can get it, just be done. Like, be, it was awesome. Jeez. But here's the real question, Tommy. Yeah. Did you post your vaccination card on Instagram? No. Oh. <laughs> if it's not on Insta, it's oh, not like, real. To, to like, tell yeah. people like that you got it. No. It's the new I voted sticker on Instagram. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. I'm not doing that. Isn't there personal information on there? I mean, yeah. probably, yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah I'm not going to post it. I don't, yeah. I don't need to. Did you have any problems with the vaccination, or was it uh, pretty? The next day, I was a little tired and kind of achy in the morning. I kind of felt like I was getting a fever. Okay, I never got a fever. I took some Tylenol, and honestly, it was funny. As I told my wife, I didn't feel that well when I was going downstairs to start my classes, mm-hmm. and so I got it on Monday night no- or Monday morning. By Tuesday afternoon i felt totally fine uh the only time i really felt any type of like achy kind of tired feeling was the morning after from like eight till noon and i was good to go like by the time i came upstairs to eat lunch with the girls i walked up the steps and my wife was like you look good like you look way better than you look this morning and i'm like oh my god i forgot i felt bad like that's how quickly it came on and then was gone wow no she was hitting on you dude no, no, dude, dude. <laughs> we've been married for 12 years. It's not, that's, that's not <laughs> happening anymore. <laughs> did you do, or did you have, uh, the second dose yet or no? So I get mine April 5th, okay. um, which is actually nice because I've heard people are having kind of like more severe reactions with the second one. That's they get what a I've lot, heard. You know, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. You know, a little bit more fever chills, kind of like, like light flu symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, but the nice part is, is that that is our spring break. I get mine April 5th. So that's, I'm off from school 
that whole week. Oh, good. Okay. So it's, yeah, it's the day after Easter Sunday. So we're good to go. So Scott. Yes. When did Zayo record the Crimson Corridor? Was this pre-pandemic? Yes. Yeah. Everything was done. Literally, actually, we were done with everything and we were still in the very final mixing stages. Mm -hmm. And that's when it hit. So our uh, engineer, Dave, had to like do some stuff at home, not too much. He was able to get a lot of it done, but he had to do just a little bit of stuff at home because the the, uh, studio just shut down with with everything else. So, but yeah, we were done. Like, I want to say we were done with all the like instrument recording by that. It was like maybe January ish Mm -hmm. of 2020. And then we were, hoping mixing would be done in March and that's when everything hit. So we elongated the mixing a little bit and everything was done and we got it. We waited on the master since we knew we were going to wait, but we had everything like totally ready to go to master by like 2020 summer. So it was like maybe June. So are you like chomping at the bit waiting for this thing to come out or have you been around long enough where you're like, well, it can come out when it can come out? Because if I had to sit on an album for like a year, I'd be going crazy. Yeah, it's, I guess with our age, (laughs) (laughs) um, nothing, you can't let yourself get either too high or too low. So I'm not disappointed and I'm not super excited, like, because you just, it's always kind of middle ground but we're i mean i'm i'm ready i think all of us are really ready to get this out especially now with the two singles being released and seeing how they've been received i think that we're really really hoping that maybe this record will you know be a special one i think it will be i love the singles and honestly when i listen to zayo now i go for the newer stuff like the newer, newer stuff. Well-intentioned virus mm-hmm. and decoding transmissions. That, mm-hmm. si- that single I listen to a lot. Like some of my favorite Zayo songs are the newer stuff. And I like it. It's not too different from tra- like old traditional Zayo. I'm talking like 20 years ago where you're mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't want to listen to this. But it's like fresh. You, you guys do like this kind of groovier guitar now thrown in with like the mosh here stuff. I, mm-hmm. I really like what's going on. Cool. That's, I mean, we're hoping I'm, the thing that I've always thought personally is, you know, a lot of that older stuff, like some of it does feel kind of dated even to me. Like, yeah. like I'm, I'm not, you know, mad to acknowledge that like some of it sounds dated. Some of it sounds weird. Um, <laughs> some of it's cool. Uh, there's a lot of things that people like that. I'm always like, really? You still like that? It's okay. <laughs> so, but I mean, I am, I'm partial obviously to the newer stuff because that's the immediate thing that we're doing. But I feel like, What's really neat is that what we did back then, I think, was ahead of its time enough that like we don't. I don't it all it some of it doesn't feel dated. Some of it feels fresh, and like we just kind of took those aspects and we're still building on them. So we're like, what's cool for me is the writing process now. Like we're still like I'm trying new things and I'm learning new ways of doing things. So we're like always just trying to open it and broaden our whole thing. So I'm hoping, you know, even with this stuff, like even as we go on, like we're able to kind of have a sound that we never stray too far from, but we're able to like implement new ideas and, 
and learn and all that kind of stuff. Who came up with uh, Ship of Theseus? Well, so the funny thing, obviously everybody knows about the WandaVision episode, right? But this is something we we've always talked about as a band, like, cause Zeo is like, there's so many different members and all these different things happen and there's so many different changes. But you know, when Dan and Russ joined, I think that was that second incarnation with Jesse, Dan, Russ, and Brett really never changed much. Cause like, I think Dan is the glue that holds all that together. So the music was, I mean, I don't think that when I came in, we like strayed too far, but I think it got a little darker. Um, Mm -hmm. So I feel like the very first in like the, the more like religious band before blood and fire, that's like one set to Zayo. And then when Dan Russ and Brett came in, that's the second set. And I think it's just kind of been an, an evolution from that more than a change from that. Like, cause I know, yes. you know, we have Russ and, and Jeff, I mean, they've been in the band. This is the longest tenured group actually in the whole history of the band, but <laughs> But I don't feel like even some of the different member changes from when when I joined changed anything. I think we just evolved. So, but that whole idea has always been there. And Dan really kind of played with that idea. And it really got more like streamlined and figured out with this record. Um, he, Yeah, so Dan obviously is the guy that comes up with all the cool shit. <laughs> And Scott, explain the ship of Theseus concept because I had no idea what it was, and Tommy told me about it on the phone the other day. I th- I think it's really interesting. Yeah, so it's just the idea of if you replace like I, I, the whole ship idea is that the ship boards of the ship will like either get old or you know degrade, so you have to replace those boards. So over the years, when you're replacing boards of a ship, eventually you're going to replace every board of the ship. So if the ship now looks the same, but it's built from all new things. Is it really the same ship? So the way we look at that is like, as our band, we feel that as an entity, it doesn't, it doesn't change. And you bring pieces in that then make the ship stronger or make the ship better or make the ship more cohesive right and then there's also the thrown in thought like what if you make a ship of the old reclaimed wood right so like if all the wood that was discarded if you like reclaim it and make a ship from that what is that's a new ship right but it's the same wood from this old ship (laughs) so yeah it's a cool like thought experiment we never thought of the band as like the ship totally is new and it's not the same thing but a lot of people look at as the band is like we're not who we originally were, which there's some aspects of that that aren't, that are true. Um, but, but I, I, I think it's a cooler idea if you look at it as the ship evolving into something not totally separate. Like it's like the ship itself, the idea of the ship is more important than the ship, right? Yes. So like, even though you're replacing all the boards, the idea of that ship, the, the built, like the way it's built, all the things that make the ship the ship stays the same. It's just that you've now put parts on the ship to make it a stronger ship. Yeah, and I, I look at it the same way. In terms of Zeo, I look at it the same way you do. The The first era with the first singer is its own separate entity. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of viewed the band through the same lens through the second era. 
And yes, people have come and gone, but I almost look at you as an, orig- an original member now, Scott, because mm-hmm. shit, yeah, the, first time I, the first time I saw the band, you were in it. So, yeah. Well, that's, I, I think that's the thing people mis- misinterpret. So like, it's now when you look back, Blood and Fire was a seminal record. It was a yes. total, and honestly, they, those guys didn't know if it was going to work or not, because all the things, that, all the work that Zayo did prior to Blood and Fire was, you know, they did all this work. And that record came out and now all of a sudden you're changing from that stuff. Now I do think there was a huge change from like splinter shards to blood and fire from even like a, like a songwriting aspect, like every, yeah. a lot of that did change. So to me though, when blood and fire happened, blood and fire kind of rebranded everything in a way. And that record was what really propelled the band. And then when Liberate came out, we were on a position of, a b- upward build. So like, but there were times, I mean, like, I think I talked about this before, but I mean, there were shows when I first joined the band, like there wasn't, you didn't, we didn't make anything. So Liberate and self-titled were still like a grind. Like we were still building the band. It was not, you know, you weren't playing in front of tons of people. There were shows where you playing in front of 10 people and it was like in nowhere land, all that kind of shit. So like we still we're really building everything for those for a very long time. It wasn't until, I mean, I don't even, I think maybe there were like three years in the band's existence from like funeral of God and after where the Mm -hmm. band was able to be a job for anybody. Oh really? Yeah. It took that long. Like none of us made enough money when Jesse was in the band or any of that stuff. Like it was still a struggle. Like, see, that's funny to hear because in my mind, I guess it's this is just because it's through my lens. Like in my mind, I'm like, oh, uh, Liberate must have been the biggest era ever for the band. No, yeah, we were playing. <laughs> I mean, we were a lot of Liberate's shows were us either main supporting or opening bigger shows. Like we were building the band up. So, and then even when we would play, I mean, now obviously there were like bigger shows that we got on with like peers, like, yeah. you know, every year you do festivals that make it look like all, oh. and that's the thing that I think, you know, what that nostalgia brings you is like a lot of the videos you see online are like festival shows. So yeah, yeah. holy shit. There's a thousand people watching us. Yeah. That's like one, two shows a year, every other show. <laughs> Yeah, you don't you know. want to have a video where like there's ten people in the crowd. You know, yep. you're playing Wichita, you're playing Wichita in front of That's ten it. people. Yeah, and <laughs> that was a lot of what we did back then. And, but it, I mean, it was building, and it was, you know, it was, it was a struggle. It was hard, and then you know, self-titled. I think like we started seeing a lot more people coming and all that. So it took a pretty long time for that to even happen. But even then, like you ask any of like none of us were able to do it. Like we were still all working jobs when we came home from tours. And, um, I don't remember being able to just tour until funeral of God era. So during that era, you could just tour on Zayo and not have to do anything else. Well, yeah, we could, but there's also the stipulation that like, what that really means is I was living at home. Ah, and And you're, and you're just eating peanut butter sandwiches. Yeah. Like, I mean, I could, I mean, we were, I probably made like a little over minimum wage. Yeah. For the year. So like Zayo probably brought home enough, like eight, I probably made like $18,000 a year, but it was, I lived at home. So it was like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we ever broke more than at best, maybe 20 a year, which living in PA, like, you know, our, we have really high taxes here, but like cost of living is not too terrible. 
You know, I think every heavy band we've ever had on the show has mentioned where Blood and Fire bring rest as an influence. <laughs> and it is it is a highly influential record and for hardcore bands and a lot of bands in the scene. And I know you came in a little later, but do you look at it with the same reverence? Or is it different for you now that you know how the sausage is made? Uh, man. I mean, I I totally appreciate and see what that record did. Yeah. But I think I've made, I mean, I think these guys, have, they've like you, Dan, and everybody has probably talked about this. Like, we had a really, really awesome scene in our little town here. And the stuff that Zayo went on to do, and even me included, like in on Liberate and everything, we were so influenced by the, our local scene. Um, now, obviously, like we all were big fans of like Carcass and, and all like integrity and all the like hardcore bands that were happening and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Dead Guy, all that stuff totally influenced us. But so I don't look like it's really strange to me to look at even what I've done, but, uh, but even for them, I'm sure like we were so influenced and so used aspects of everything that, w- that we were around that mm-hmm. like, I, I it, it's really odd to t- to think that we were influential because of how influenced we were from everybody. So, wow. I mean, dude, there's like, there, there were bands that from our hometown, I swear if they would have, just had people behind them or a label behind them. They could have been just as big, if not bigger than us. I mean, some of the songs and riffs from some of the guys that, that we were growing up around. Oh my God. I mean, I, I, I can still listen to some of that stuff. Like there was a band when we talk about Passover all the time, there was a band Passover from here that like totally was doing the chaotic metal stuff in the hardcore scene. There was a band called abnegation from here. Like, well, oh, yeah. eventually Yo. like they live in Erie, but like, Paul moved to Pittsburgh. So a lot of those abnegation dudes were like around and played shows here all the time. And there are abnegation songs that crush everyone and nobody will ever really know. Like nobody, they didn't get their, their due. So yeah, I think that to think of, of Zayo as this hugely influential band, I thought is weird because we were so influenced by so much stuff. Yeah. And I get, I get what you're saying. Like, I'm crazy. Like when anyone says anything positive about something I've done, I almost don't even know how to react to it. I'm like, what? Like I I literally have to train myself to just say thank you and move on because I almost want to apologize. You know what I mean? Like, oh, uh, uh, uh." well, think about it this way too. Like Zayo had an opportunity that put us in a position where we had people hearing us. And like I just said, so like abnegation, they didn't get that opportunity. They didn't go on to a bigger label that would be that would put them in front of people like we had, or like, you know, even look at a band, like, like look at coalesce, right. Coalesce hugely influential, but yes. were there, did coalesce like have bands around them that didn't, I'm sure if you talk to Sean, he would say, yeah, there were bands that we listened to that never got on a label, never got picked up. And then like, it's almost, it is like, it's sort of awkward to talk about because we got picked up by a label. We pushed for that. Mm-hmm. And we had the opportunity to get our music in front of a ton of people, but our music was so influenced by the bands that didn't get that opportunity. So like, yeah. it's almost unfair. Like, uh, dude, hopes of harmony, that abnegation song should be known by every metalcore dude that exists. Like that song is perfection. Nobody, but it was such a small thing and not many people know about it. It's a bummer. 
I'm writing it down right now so I can listen. Go to listen it to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, everything. Like, you're going to listen to Hopes of Harmony, and you're going to go, oh, so that's where they got that from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny to think about, you know, because I guess I guess when you're doing the thing, you're not thinking about it like, wow, this is really great. Like mm-hmm. people are people are going to think I'm awesome, you know. No. Like even with, even with the podcast, Tommy and I do it, and people tell us that it's great and that it helps them, and I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I say thank you, but I'm thinking like, really. <laughs> well, dude, I think the the aspect of that that people seem to to skip over is like how much the podcast helps you guys. So, like oh, yeah. being in the band, like what that does for me is way more than what I think I'm doing for you. Yes, you know what I mean. So, like, I get it, and I I so appreciate people that listen to us and like look at us like that, or you know, talk, give us the praises. But like, if I didn't have this, man, I. Like it, it is so integral to everything I am. Are you the type where you need to be doing something creative to feel fulfilled? Yes, I can't. Actually, this last couple years really hit at home how hard it is to just sit. Yeah. How did you pass the time? What are your hobbies outside of music? Outside of music, I mean, I do like to draw. I like painting, doing that kind of stuff. Um I like. Did you watch a 19-hour video of Final Fantasy VII gameplay at any point? <laughs> no, but I did watch. <laughs> I did watch like every serial killer documentary that Netflix put, puts out, and I don't yeah. know why. I <laughs> for some reason just get. They're interesting. In. My wife is like obsessed with this, like those type of like uh, yeah. cold case files, like those things where it's just like documentaries about these ones. What was the one she was watching? It was uh, Night Stalker. No, no, no. It, uh, uh, Ted Bundy. Sh- they called him the Shoemaker. Oh, dude, I don't, I don't know that one. Uh, I don't know that one. He was from uh, Joseph's something, but he he was from our area. Like he was from Pennsylvania, I think. And him and his son would go door to door and prevent, pretend to be salesmen, and then tie people up and like murder them. Holy shit! Where, what's, gotta, where's this on? I gotta watch this. I, one. I, I'll ask my wife. I'll okay, text cool. Her. <laughs> Hold up, I'll find out. <laughs> Yeah, I it depends on it depends on how grisly it gets. Sometimes I can't watch it, but sometimes I can. I did like the Ted Bundy tapes one. I do want to watch the Night Stalker one. The Night Stalker one's going to there's things about the Night Stalker I didn't know. For yeah. some reason I didn't know. And refresh my memory. Is he the one that wrote he did the pentagram on his hand? Yeah, it's Ramirez, yeah. Yeah, yeah Ramirez. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right. But I watched something on TV for the first time in a long time. Because I just didn't feel like doing anything but sitting there. It was like uh, this Netflix show about the Cecil Hotel in Los Angeles. Oh, I tried to watch that. It was kind of, I, I kind of lost. It was good enough to keep on, and but not so good that I didn't feel bad for sleeping through half of it. Yeah. Joseph Callinger. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. That just came to my brain. I don't know why that's, <laughs> I don't know what, that's the dude's name. I don't, I'll find out the name of the documentary, but the, that dude, it, it was, uh, like murdered i think four and but tortured a bunch of other people and he did it with his 12 year old son oh my gosh yeah he enlisted his 12 year old son to go with him i'm gonna write this down well yeah i also there's a ton of really good um like podcast stuff like that so like there's this one a lot of them too are like one season and they like i don't even know if they are gonna do anything else they just tell one story so i watched a bunch of those but there is there's uh Ashley Flowers is the girl that does it. Oh, I can't remember the Crime Junkies. That's it, Crime Junkies. That one's really good. And the, like the two hosts are interesting to listen to because some of the ones are like 
kind of uh, all right <laughs> but <laughs> yeah podcasts are tricky because if you don't like the people doing it or if they're annoying in some way that's it you're oh, not gonna over. like yep. you're not gonna like suddenly like it nope you're right so i hope people uh are not annoyed by us tommy i i think we do all right <laughs> yeah we've we haven't gotten uh, any outright bad feedback yet yet we're waiting for it we're actually looking forward to it i was gonna say i kind of like there's part of me that wants to hear it i just want to hear something like you know like the all all good what is it all press is good press even if it's like you know what i mean like i i just want to hear what people have to say where they go yeah i don't like that tommy rambles too much (laughs) from from just personal experience we've had a lot of shit talked so it's actually super fun to hear people critique you (laughs) but you will focus on the critiques more than like you'll have 10 people that say how great everything is and then one guy will go well that riff was kind of lame and i'll go how the fuck is that riff lame (laughs) how are your riffs what do you got yeah like can i hear your riff oh there isn't a riff oh (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly if it if it was a peer like another guitar player saying it i could see being affected by it but if it's just some dude on the internet you know i wouldn't care we get lambasted by a lot of people but a lot of it's if it's clever I, I kind of love it. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I have the same attitude. And did did anyone ever say anything that just really like shook you? Man, I think when I first started singing in the band and how bad we got trashed for that, I think that shook me because like it was so personal. Because <laughs> it's like one thing to play guitar and like oh whatever, and then but like when you your voice gets like crushed, it's that was kind of brutal. So, but here's the best part about it. What it did was it like focused me and forced me into like really working on it. So now it's way better and I feel better and I'm more confident in it and comfortable with it. Um, and I don't know if I would have, if people would have been like, oh, yeah, it's great, even when it wasn't, because it wasn't at first. I don't know if I would have built on it and made it better. So I'm glad that people crushed me. So you were singing. People, re- some people reacted badly to it and you didn't give up. You, you said, I'm going to keep working on this. Yeah. I was like, you know what? You're right. Here's where I'm bad. So I'll work my ass off to make sure I'm not bad. I think that's great because I'm so fragile. If I heard some bad criticism, I might just give up. Yeah. I think that's actually what happens with most people. Honestly, I think that's why most musicians don't go anywhere because you if you, it's so hard <laughs> to like get past critiques. Like it's so hard to like, cause you're already, I, I, you know, everybody has it in their own mind, right? Like I are like every day I'm like, I'm a piece of shit. And then like, I'll write a riff and I'm like, it's a piece of shit. And like, so like, I'm already like filtering all of like what I think is obviously not good out. And <laughs> even the stuff that's good, I'm like, yeah, it's probably okay. So that's just how we work as humans, right? We're always like, I'm so brutal to myself, even more than most people are. So -hmm. like, once you can get past yourself, then you have to get past people. And then that's so hard that like most people are like, why, why do I put myself through this? And then there are dipshits like us that go, well, we're just going to keep going. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that's the key to the whole being in a band and playing music thing is you just have to keep going. I look at it as like like one of those old time trains that you shovel coal into the front 
and you just keep shoveling coal and it keeps going faster. Like you're building momentum, you're getting better, you're shoveling in more coal, it gets a little faster, you pick up some more steam, uh, you pick up some fans, you're getting better, and it, and it keeps going and it keeps going and then eventually it slows down. But you, ha- you have to invest so much time into building up that momentum and building yourself up. Yeah, it's and I think... Th- that's why people say like, if you don't love it, don't do it. Because if you are in it for like total superficial reasons, like if you're in it to make money, you're not going to make money for a very, very long time. So right there, you're already going to be pushed out of it. So if it's not like an innate need in you to like create and have this outlet or like it, there's not something that's like important enough to you to keep going, you're just not going to. So if you don't want to do this because you have to, then don't do it. Exactly. And I learned that lesson, you know, like this podcast, I love doing it. Uh, I like putting it all together. I like being here and talking with Tommy and the guests. So if a bunch of people said that it sucked, I literally would not care. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I would keep going. Yeah. no, And that's another thing too, like you and Tommy are buddies. So like if nobody was listening to your podcast, you'd still just want to hang out and talk to him. Yes. Know? So that's the same thing with us. Like all of us in the band are friends. So like, Okay, cool. I would write songs with them anyway. <laughs> if you're not, like, I don't care if people listen or not. Like, I'd still want to write songs with everybody and hang out. It's it's hard and it's whatever, but at the same time, it's really as long as you have like core things in place, it's worth the fight. Absolutely, and I've done it the other way too, where I decide I'm going to get into something and I just crumble. Like a long time ago, I I tried to do stand up comedy because I watched stand up my whole life and. You know, every male comedian's story of how they got started is like, well, things were going really bad. So I thought, why not try comedy? So that was my story, too. Part of me wants to do that so bad. I've thought about (laughs) stand-up comedy for so long. And here's the thing. 90% of them all are shit. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many bad comics. There's only like a handful of really good comics. Yeah, yeah. I don't like any of them except for maybe Sam Kinison and George Carlin and Dave Chappelle. That's it. Yeah, there's so many other ones that like have come out, and I'm just like, how how do these guys get an audience? They're not funny. There's a guy that was uh he I, he came to fame as a he was on that uh Amer- what's the show the MMA show like where they bring in the the last fighter you know like that kind of thing where they okay. like, they all do like MMA together and they all fight each other to find out who's the best. His name was Brendan Schaub. I've heard that name. He became friends with, um, that Brian Callen that used to be on mad TV and Joe Rogan and all these people. And they got him into comedy and they got him. I don't know if they got him, but somebody got him a special. And I was like, Oh, I've heard him on podcasts before. He's actually kind of funny. Sometimes let me watch this. It's painful. Like wow. it's really it's it's hard to watch. Like I actually I I rarely get like in those moments and go. Yeah, I'm just usually just like oh like well you with serial killer documentaries. Oh, this is boring. I'm going to turn it off. Yeah, I turned it off because of the cringe. Like I, I <laughs> it really it hurt my heart. Like I I actually felt bad for him because like they had to like you know you can hear like the 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 laughs are fake in the background. Like they have to like you know, keep reusing the same laugh track in a couple spots. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like these aren't funny jokes. It's just him oh. telling us. It's almost like if you went to a bar and heard somebody that's a really good storyteller and you're like, all right, that's, that's funny. And then somebody had to like, you know, Hey, you should just be a stand up comedian. And then yeah. they gave him a special. <laughs> like, 
that's what it sounded like. I was like, all right, this is unpolished and half thought through and just not funny. I felt terrible watching <laughs> this poor guy. He got pushed into it. You felt, you felt like he got pushed into it by all his friends. And now he's sitting there like, Ugh, now I have this stupid thing. I have to tell everybody I did. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sucks too. I don't know if you guys, but I mean, I have a few friends that are genuinely f- super funny and I don't know if any of them will ever actually plunge to do the stand up thing, but like, I don't laugh very much. And like some of these people make me re- laugh really hard and I'd love to see, see them do stuff. But, but like you said, like it's, it's so hard to get past your own inadequacy and then to get past that, to get in front of people and then any rejection. Cause that's like pretty personal, like being on stage by yourself, telling jokes has to be just fucking brutal. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. And I, I, I never liked it. I never looked forward to going up there. Uh, I, I think I only had one time ever where people laughed and, you know, people said, good job. Mm-hmm. It was never good. I never enjoyed it. I never looked forward to it. Whenever I told anyone that I was going to try it, they were like, you? Oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, that, that oh, should have been, been an indicator. But uh, I don't, eventually I just stopped. And I felt really guilty. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it again. Yeah, I'm going to do it again. But I just didn't. And it's not for me. It's just not for me. So my point is, you know, you try things out. And if your heart's not in it, then just don't do it. Like... Like what you were talking about with music, Scott. Like you have to be in it. You have yeah. to live it. You have to love it. And comedy is the same way. I think so. It's there's so many parallels between how it sounds like that world exists and and the music stuff exists. Kinda. It's very similar. Like you go and then there's like the f- couple guys that think they're a big deal, and they like they won't put you on in a good spot. They'll put you yeah. on at like two thirty in the morning. And then they're all doing their little like shoots of YouTube videos that no one's going to watch, and mm-hmm. you don't get invited because you're not in the secret club. It, you know, I, I guess any scene is like that. Yeah, I know how that. We know, we all know how that is. Scott, you're married, right? Mm-hmm. You have a, you and you have a daughter. I do have a daughter. Yep. How long have you been married? It's Sixteen years. Wow. So I'm, you must be doing something right. Nah, I doubt it. <laughs> when you got together with your wife, did you now? One of our last guests, he described this moment of meeting his wife, and he's like, I just knew. I just knew that this was going to be the person I spend the rest of my life with. And I've heard people say that, but it just seems, it just seems impossible from my own personal experience. Now, when you met your wife, did you know? Were you like, this is it? I'm in. This is, you know, it's great. How, what was your experience like? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody has that kind of happened to them. I mean, I met my wife when I was in like right out of high school. Mm -hmm. So like we graduated and I met her right after that. So yeah, I mean, we just, everything clicked. Do you ever have struggles to work through? Oh yeah. And what, how are the struggles? Is there like a lot of fighting? Well, see, here's what I'm getting at. I went through a breakup recently, Scott. Okay. And, uh, (laughs) I was wondering where the, where the fuck we are going with this, but (laughs) I'm trying to figure out if, is it me or Am I just not compatible with the people I end up with? You know what I'm saying? I'm doing some self-discovery here. I think no matter what, it has just like what we talked about with the bands, it has to be worth the work, right? Yeah. The work, it has to be worth the work. And I, I do think that when you get two personalities, no matter what, it's going to always have some sort of work that's going to have to be there. It doesn't necessarily have to be bad. 
doesn't have to be whatever, but there's always going to be some sort of work. And, you know, I don't know that it's necessarily anybody faulting or whatever, but, but it's a lot of work to be with, well, think about it. Like as a band, you have five different personalities that you have to work through. So there's like that, but it's pretty hard just working with two personalities too. So, but yeah, you just have to, if it's worth the work, it's, there you go. If it's worth the work, I'm going to remember that. What about you, Tommy? You're married. Yes. You guys are doing good? Yeah. No, we're doing awesome. Do you ever feel like just ending the whole thing? <laughs> wow. Oh, no. Dude, how, okay, no. How, how long? Okay. What relationship were you in and how long was it? I was in a relationship for one year and four months. Okay. I felt like our personalities mismatched and we needed different things and we kept running into the same issues over and over again. And that's how it ultimately ended. Well, that seems like a pretty reasonable reason to end something. Yeah. Yeah. So don't beat yourself up. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to figure it all out, guys. I don't, here's the thing. You're never going to. (laughs) That's Thank you. (laughs) Scott, I was literally just going to get to the point of like, look, you could sit there and do like this postmortem and sit there and pick it apart and talk about, talk to yourself about what you could have done differently. But the fact of the matter is, is that it didn't work out for whatever reason. And I think I would always think of it as like, it's a learning experience and then taking those experiences positive or negative and moving forward with it. Like, all right, well, this didn't work out because, uh, you know, we got no arguments about X. Okay, cool. Well, when I get into this new relationship, I'm going to make sure that like if we continue to argue about the exact same thing, just name the elephant in the room. Like, hey, we keep arguing about the same thing. Let's talk about this. I, I think that's a huge kind of thing is – and I, at least with my wife and I is like I think one of the reasons we do so well together is we were friends before we dated. And mm. we were really, really close and – when we started dating, I, I remember actually both of us kind of saying like, this is going to not be cool if we break up because I really, really like being friends with you. And yeah. we, we had the same friends. We shared like the same group of friends. And I was like, this is going to not be cool. And I remember her being like, well, if that happens, it happens. Like, we'll just figure it out when it does. But like, there's no point in worrying about it. Why would we get upset about something that potentially could happen? You know? We could walk off a, a you know a curb tomorrow and get hit by a bus. Like, uh, let's not worry about it. And we've been doing that for twelve years. So you know, just take it day by day. I think that's one of the things is like if it works, it works. And if you start seeing things that are repetitive or patterns that reappear consistently, mm-hmm. do that deep thought of like, is this me consistently doing the same thing, or is this? Uh, you know, am I attracting a type of person that will exhibit these types of behaviors over and over again? I see. Hmm. This is insightful, gentlemen. I appreciate this. <laughs> Scott, I like that. I like the, hmm, okay. Yeah. Like, in my head, I'm going, I don't know if that made sense. Well, dude, it, it absolutely did. Anytime, yeah. anytime you talk about this kind of stuff, it's like, it's so out of the realm of like what I'm, like I able to comprehend because it is, it's so complex. So like, and I like what you said about like thinking about it. It's really hard to do this. And I tried to do this as much as I can, but it's all, it's super hard. But like the only thing that really exists is now, 
right? Yeah. So like future is what we think it could be. So we worry about it, but it doesn't exist. It's going to happen regardless of what we do about it. There's things you can do, but obviously it's not really a reality until it happens. And then the past is over. So there's nothing you can do to change it. And you can worry and be stressed and be sick about the past, but it is done. And what are you going to do? So if you live as much as you can in the present and experience the present as openly as you can, probably the best way to go. So in the present, if you're having those issues, instead of thinking about, oh, well, maybe whatever's going to happen in the future, or if you like dwell on things that, oh, she did this back then, it's, I, it's, it's really easy to say, but I do think that living in the present is pretty important. I like that. And I do that. I'm, I train myself to live eternally in the present, minus the uh, 8-bit Nintendo obsession and, you know, all the other nostalgia kick I'm on. But yeah, I, you know, I'm actively working to stay engaged in, in the present and mm-hmm. positive things, talking to people, getting outside. Like, relationship stuff used to be my biggest Achilles heel. I mm-hmm. would act like a complete psycho in the relationship and then ultimately when I got dumped because I was nuts, mm-hmm. you know, I would I would just go off the walls. And this time I'm just like, uh, I'm handling it. Hmm. Everything's fine. Well, dude, then there you go. There's there's an evolution in your ex- experiences. So yeah. everything's a learning experience. I could throw, you want me to throw like five more cliched things? <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly love this shit. And I, I, I've even grown to love the cliches because they help. They keep things simple. Yeah, there's a reason yeah. they're cliches because they work. Scott, what do you do when you're not playing music? How do you? What's like your your daytime job? Well, my daytime job felt like it, it stopped. Uh, COVID finally killed it. So um, I did work. Actually, it's funny you brought up the eight bit Nintendo thing. So I worked at a place that would resell like all kinds of cool like vintage well i guess not super vintage but like 80s stuff so like yeah be it nintendos be it whatever video game systems from you know 80 79 up to like action figures toys like anything that like our my age bracket loved back then like now all of us are older and we there's a ton of people that like want to get the things they never had so yes so i worked at a store that did that and the store had to close. There's a bunch of different stuff, but COVID didn't help obviously. So uh, we had to close the brick and mortar store of that. So now I kind of do that sort of thing on my own terms with like online sales. So like, yeah. yeah, Cause like I did that for so long. I like, I was the guy that would fix broken systems and, you know, resell them after repair. Do you know how to put a new 72 pin connector in an original NES? Yes, I do. Oh yeah. Yep. Now we're talking my language. Yep. I actually that's part of what I did for years. Nice. Yeah, I even like I have so are you familiar with Super Nintendo, obviously? Yes. So Super Nintendo, the one huge flaw of the Super Nintendo was that AC adapter had a little plastic circular pin that held it in place and every one of them break. Like it's almost like part of the thing. Did you get a Super Nintendo? Half of them are always broken out. And when you break them out, the plug does not stay in solid enough. So the connection goes in and on like out or whatever. Um, so I had to like resolder those in, I would resolder batteries for video games. Cause like a lot of those older games, the way they saved were little watch batteries. So oh. 
So you have to resolder that stuff. So like playing guitar, like I would resolder pickups. So I learned how to solder. So could you like make your own guitar pedal if you wanted to? No, but I have fifty friends that can. So I don't even care. <laughs> <laughs> no, I never got like. I mean, I could probably make a pretty simple overdrive. Like I could definitely. I understand why how that all works, but man, some of those pedals get so intricate. Do you have an old Coleco Vision sitting around that you want to sell? I don't, but I know people that do. Send me some links. I'm I'm in, I'm in the market. You're looking for a Coleco Vision, okay? I want the original Coleco Vision with the two giant controllers with mm-hmm. all the buttons, mm-hmm. and then I want to find Spy Hunter for Coleco Vision. That we were just talking about this in the first segment. That was yeah. like my gateway drug for video games. Wow! When I was six years old, five years old. Yeah, Cle- Well, I was. So, what? What? How old are you guys? 38. I'm 39. Oh, okay. So I'm older. I'm 43. Yeah. Coleco. Like, so I didn't really, I played Atari a little bit, but it wasn't, I didn't get into like video games until Nintendo came out. That's when I got super excited for the first Nintendo. Yeah. But like, so a lot of that, even though my age, like kind of would have been like Atari ColecoVision uh, in television, all that stuff. I passed all that. I didn't care until Nintendo came out. Do you still play it all? Nintendo. I have a Nintendo set up in my bedroom right now. Yes, mm-hmm. I've been. We talked about this in segment one too. I've been playing the original Zelda again. Yep. On the original system that I got restored. Yep. Uh, that I had when I was a kid. I love it. It's oh, yeah. just like it's like. Uh, oh man, it's a trip. So much of those games. Like I have. So yeah, the two like Zelda and Adventures and Link, the two Zelda two or whatever. I play yeah. those a lot. My daughter's way into the Switch now, so she like I've shown her all the old Super Mario games. She plays all the Mario stuff on the Switch. I loved like. Battletoads. Uh, we, we just talking about, about that. that Battletoads. <laughs> I've never beat it. It's no. I, oh, dude, I love that game. Mike Tyson's Punch Out. I keep playing. I still can't beat Mike Tyson, even though like there's four YouTube videos of guys doing it in 15 seconds. Um, <laughs> I uh, I beat him recently for the first time. I, I probably started up 30 rounds with Mike Tyson, and I I only won one of them. Oh, dude, and there's a trick like, but I just can't do it quick enough. <laughs> like, there's a trick to his eye winks, and I can't catch it. Yeah, when he winks, you got to move, and the first minute and 30 of the first round is one one punch knockout, yep. but as soon as he flashes white, you got to move. There's yeah, no If you do it by rhythm, you're going to die. Yeah, you just have so to look hard. for the white flash, then move. Yeah, it's so hard. Oh, I, yeah. can't, I can't do it. But yeah, those games, like, dude, there's so many good ones. Like the Turtle, well, the first Turtle game's pretty terrible, but Turtles 2, the arcade game, was awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then my wife plays Bubble Bobble. So she loves that. So oh, yeah. like, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a vintage uh, video game store here in New York City that I go to, and they, they have everything. I got a promotion at work, so I went down there and bought Mike Tyson's Punch-Out for 50 bucks. I remember when that game, I think I bought it. I rebought it when I first started at work for 10 bucks. And uh, another thing that was crazy, so a lot of those that stuff, when we first opened up, you could go to Goodwill and find Nintendo games for like 50 cents. Wow. Now that's totally gone. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, do people were like giving up, you know, Mega Man for at Goodwill. So you could go to Goodwill, and find Mega Man for like a buck. And now Mega Man sells card only for like a hundred dollars. Seriously? The first yeah, one? The very first Mega Man. It's crazy. Actually, a, most of those games are, there's a few that are like in the $20 range, but most of them are higher than $20. Oh yeah, all the all the really good ones 
are at minimum $40 on eBay. Yeah, it's it, it's intense. And that's like part of why when we got into this kind of stuff, I've I've always collected things like that from when I was in high school. Like actually me, Russ and Dan all collect. Actually no, all of us do cuz like Jeff and Marty kind of get into it too. Jeff has like a pretty sick in-box vintage Star Wars collection. So nice. So but all of us collected all that stuff and you know, I I knew there's there's a a cap to how much of that stuff exists. So eventually you would think that that stuff, if it got popular enough with people that it would probably either gain value or at least stay where you, what you paid for it. And everything I have is probably like five or six times over went up. So, I mean, there's things that I like action figures that I bought for like five bucks that are like $500 now. Oh my God. Yeah. It's crazy. And I don't know, like, if it's going to, if the bottom will fall out, but it's almost better than investing in Dogecoin or anything. It's a whole world, like the collectibles, action figures, video games, all that stuff. Like Tommy, I could see you doing this. You could have like a whole eBay storefront. And if you know how much things are, you could buy them, you know, buy it for a dollar, sell it for two. So mm-hmm. this is my thing is I, I know, I don't know that market very well. I know sneakers pretty decently. I don't know video games enough. I, it blows my mind how how that works. Like the shoes, holy shit! Oh yeah, <laughs> I've done that. I've done pretty well on eBay with just buying a, specifically Air Ma- Nike Air Maxes. Oh, and yeah. and reselling. But uh, eBay has changed their rules. I actually got a uh, ten ninety nine from them this year. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, they did. They like changed all the payments, and now like yeah. at one time you were able to like. You know, you if you, as long as you were under like a certain amount of transactions and a certain price, like they wouldn't even bother you. But yeah. but from what I understand, even if they don't bother you, you're supposed to claim it anyway. Because I've heard yes. people that, dude, even if you sell like five hundred dollars on there, the IRS can come after you. So yep, yeah, because you're not paying the state sales tax. Yep, yeah. There's yep. all kinds of craziness. So, folks, we've got the new Zayo album, The Crimson Corridor, coming out on April 9th. Mm-hmm. Everyone has to go out and buy a physical copy to support the band. Please. Those are the rules. Please. The pre-order is up now. Pre-order it. Why not? I mean, have you heard these two singles? They're incredible. I'm really looking forward to this record. Oh, here's a question I wanted to ask. Zayo did a, an Ask Me Anything on Twitter, and I love reading those things because you, you get some good gems, and Whoever was uh, at the helm there said Skin Like Winter is out of the live set rotation. Are you guys just sick of that song? Is that what's going on? Yeah, that one's been in the rotation since we've played. So <laughs> no song's ever thrown out, but we were just kind of sick of it for right now. You just kind of cycle them in and out depending on yeah. what people are tired of or not. Yeah, so that one kind of lost its luster for, for us. But I mean, who knows? Like, we always bring stuff back. It's n- Nothing's ever dead. Right. It's just cycles. Mm-hmm. So how does the songwriting work? Do, like, do you come up with the initials riff or, you know, is, is it just whoever brings a riff to practice and then we all build on that? Yeah. I mean, recently, the, just the easiest way has been like, I'll kind of like get basic, a basic structure of a song and then I'll send it to everybody and then we'll just make it better just because of timing and everybody's been busy. And I have so much backlog stuff from writing that we've just been cycling through the things that I've started or or whatever um but after i'm kind of wiped out 
after Crimson Corridor pretty much like was the end of all the things that I was working with. So this next one's going to probably be way more of a collaborative riff. Here's my riff. Here's your riff. Let's put these songs together thing. Does anyone get final say? Have you ever like had a whole song done and then one person's like, no, and then it gets axed? No, you know, we've never actually had a problem like that because usually what we'll do is it, we've, we try to make everybody pretty open from the onset. So if there's anything in the song that people are like, eh, we won't even, we'll just get rid of it or earlier. Uh, we've never had a problem where like a song would be done and then be like, oh, that's, we don't like this thing. But I mean, there's actually been times where songs have been finished and we would like reorganize them sort of, mm-hmm. but it's pretty few and far between that. Like we work pretty comfortably. Like it's never like a real big fight or struggle uh, to, to get through the writing process. There's like, but we'll have like different ideas on like how to do certain things, but it's never been bad. It's actually been pretty healthy and like it invigorating and, you know, I'm inspired by all these dudes. So, you know what? The, I will say this, and I I didn't bring it up at the time because I was thinking about it, and I was like, eh, I don't know if I want to bring it up. But now, like Keith kind of put me here. I bought that abnegation CD. Yes, based on the cover alone, because it was the one that came out in 1997. Oh, okay. I know what you're talking about. Okay, so it is an in, if if you are into gory things yeah that's go ahead and <laughs> go ahead and google that one it is i i've heard the backstory is it was a woman whose husband had trained pit bulls and one got loose on her but it is a woman kind of splayed out on a bed with her the most uh the top of her head's kind of missing yeah. oh no uh, but so, i bought it I, I bought it at that place on south street um not disconnection. What was the other rock, uh, rock and, rock roll, and plus. roll plus? I yeah. bought it at rock and roll plus, And the only reason I picked it up was because uh, it had a little sleeve in front of it that said album cover censored. And I was like, all Ooh. right, let's check this out. But here's and what it, sucks, right? Abnegation prior to that record was a totally different thing. Really? Yeah. That's not dude that. So basically what happened was there was a singer named Iggy and a guitar player named Paul. And then Chris was a, was the drummer and they had a few different bassists, but the guy that was playing with them when we were playing with them was a dude named Dave Steele. All awesome dudes that we still like, I still talk to Iggy on Instagram and and Facebook. And I talked to Dave Steele and and Paul, he's kind of doing his own thing. So he doesn't really talk too much with everybody, but, but we're all cool. But that band was like, it started out as like a straight edge vegan band (laughs) they were awesome and then like paul and iggy left so they turned into this weird death metal band that had nothing to do with what abnegation was so what you have to do is you have to go back to like the very first few seven like that's what what sucks about abnegation is they never had their due from back then so like all they released were seven inches on these really small tiny little labels so they had like a few seven inches. They did a song on a comp. All of that stuff is magic. And then they put this piece of shit thing out that (laughs) had nothing to do with what the band that we knew. Like it wasn't now the thing that sucks is it's like good death metal, but like that's not what they were. Um, So yeah, you have to let's go back and like there was a, there's like four different seven inches that they released. And like the hopes of harmony song was on a comp that like i said that song 
look up abnegation hopes of harmony that'll change your whole opinion got it that's the one i'm gonna listen to I'm, yes. i have it written on my notepad right here i'm staring at it <laughs> dude it's it's seriously i like i think zayo has to cover it and then give everything we make from it to all those dudes because like they should <laughs> yes. they should all have the, all the money that any metalcore band has ever made because they're they're better than most of the things that exist <laughs> like, <laughs> we listen to that song and then you'll you'll you have to send me a message after you hear it you got oh, it i'm going to well, uh, Scott, is, is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to get in here at the end, like anything to plug? I hope people give the record a chance. We actually just signed a distribution deal. Like we've had uh, Revelation distribution prior to mm-hmm. this, and we still work with Rev, so and they're awesome guys. Um, but we just signed a deal with Deathwish. So, oh, nice. So yeah, like Deathwish is going to be able to put all the Zao stuff that we've done with the new Observed Observer label. Like we're hoping. It's, well, they're going to finally, we'll have a European distribution because we never yeah. had that before. So they'll have all the records and shirts over there to like, most of the time we have to ship it. It was just too expensive. So Deathwish is hooking that up for us. They're going to help us do a bunch of stuff in the States. Um, so we're like super excited, obviously, because we're all Converge fans. So it's like Jacob's thing. So that was pretty, pretty cool. But, um, but yeah, the guys at, at Deathwish have been awesome. And I, I really feel like this is what we needed to like really help propel the next chapter of our band. So, so yeah, just if you want to give the record a chance, that'd be awesome. That's awesome. Well, I'll certainly be listening and folks, I encourage you all to do the same. The Crimson Corridor, April 9th. I am really looking forward to this thing. And Scott, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And I just want to say thanks for coming to speak with us again. Hey, my pleasure, man. Thanks for having me again. Thank you so much. And guys, give the record a chance and buy physical copies. Yes. There's tapes, there's tapes, there's CDs and there's vinyl. And there's vinyl, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Scott, and we'll talk to you soon. There you have it, folks. Scott Mellinger. That was a great, well-rounded conversation. I like when we have... uh, return guests i like that to be a part of the show because you know it's like one big musical family type of deal like friends dropping by to talk and we can get into even deeper stuff that's not just about the band oh yeah no it's huge is that when we have people especially like scott because i we've been listening to that music for two decades yeah isn't it crazy like these bands that we absolutely love we can have them on this show and I can talk to him about relationship problems and, and like restoring Nintendos and playing old Nintendo games. Like that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It, it runs the gamut from let's talk about old metal bands and hardcore bands from like Pittsburgh slash Erie area to how much are Mega Man carts worth now? <laughs> <laughs> that was like everything I ever wanted or needed out of a conversation. I get to talk about old hardcore metal bands old Nintendo games, personal stuff, deep stuff, and Zeo. Yeah. That's what my conversations are basically every day anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, it's always nice that, and I like the idea that the show cycles through people. Like we, yeah. we hear somebody and then we talk to them later about, 
you know, one like new upcoming projects is really cool. Like, but at the same time, it's also kind of like just, just checking in with people, like just checking in, how you doing? Like what's going on? What, yeah. What's going on in your world? Because, you know, everybody's worlds have been kind of thrown a little upside down for the last year or so. So big time. Yeah. I meant to ask Scott if his daughter has ever heard Zayo. Uh, I would like to see a young kid's reaction to that band. I can film my daughters watching or listening to Zayo if you want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to know what they think of it. Especially, well, like what era Zayo? Do you want like uh, where Blood and Fire bring rest? Like play like Ravage Ritual? Like where it's like that kind of opening is just so kind of like the, the vocals are just so kind of shocking. <laughs> play the first song from Liberate. Okay. That's a really heavy song. That is heavy. <laughs> I like there's uh there's a song on there that doesn't get a lot of kind of like um Savannah. That is a really great song, but not that was what not what I was thinking of. Uh I think it's on it's the first song on on Parade of Chaos. It's called The Buzzing. Oh yeah. Uh, has a really great like creation style riff in it and as soon as I heard it I was like, "Yes." Well, it was a great conversation, and Scott is a great guy, so I'm happy that he came on again. Yeah, he's. I always like talking to him, and I'm. I'm really hoping he got me a little nervous with when he was talking about Furnace Fest. He's like, "Well, let's see if it happens." It's like, yeah, because <laughs> okay. we don't know. Like last year, we were like, "Oh, the pandemic will last like two months," and here we are over a year later. Like we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. We talked to Chris from. Uh, poison the well and he was like yeah dude i've heard uh people saying like well into 2021 we will not be having shows i still remember hearing him say that and being like yeah right (laughs) i i didn't laugh directly at it but afterwards i was like 2021 is this guy in that's the craziest shit i've ever heard like that doesn't even make sense what is going to happen for an entire year and it's been over a year he was right. And so whenever anyone in the biz says something, though, I just, I, I accept it as fact. Yeah. Or at least just treat it as like, that's a possibility. Yeah. There's a lot of lessons learned on this podcast and in life. Think about it. We never anticipated this happening. Of all the crazy things that could happen, uh, death, in the fam- death in the family, relapse, end of a relationship, I don't know, all the crazy stuff. Like, did you ever imagine just the entire world slowing down and live music going away? That was not on my bingo card. No, that's like one of those, like, uh, it's kind of hard to even think about. Like, I've never experienced anything like this. And my, my biggest fear is now, and I actually didn't have this fear until I was tucking one of my daughters into bed. And she said, what if this happens again? And I was like, what do you mean? Like if COVID comes around again, she's like, no, what if there's something new? Oh, I've already thought about that a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm already waiting for it. I was trying to be as like, you know, as a parent, you really want to try to like, kind of not make that, especially I'm tucking her into bed for Christ's sake. Like, I don't want to be like, <laughs> yes, the world will end sweetheart. Like, like I don't, don't want to say stuff like that. No, you say we'll be better prepared next time. That, I, that's pretty much what I said. It's like, well, we learned from this time what it, what we really need to do. And we, we were going to take some of the you know same precautions. Um, but, you know, with this kind of stuff, sweetie, we really always just have to be extremely careful about like, well, you know, when we hear these things and we know that something's coming, like to kind of be like, okay, let's take this seriously. 
like rather than being like, oh, that sounds weird. Like we're going to stay inside for two weeks or, you know. Or if you live in America, you experience it. You do nothing about it. It comes up again. And then you do the same exact dumb thing you did the last time. Yeah, we'll treat it the same way. Don't worry about that. Yeah. So what else is going on? I've pretty much talked about everything that's going on with me. I got nothing. You know, I'm working through the emotional roller coaster. Uh, work is fine. Life is fine. Eat some good pizza last night. I don't know. I, I nothing's really going on. I had a really nice weekend. I mean, the we it, it was the first weekend of spring, and it was like gorgeous outside. It was like in the mid sixties every day. What'd you do? I'll live vicariously through you. Skate park in the early morning. Yeah. Then my mom brought over pizza. We all ate pizza together for lunch, uh, and then we played outside for the rest of the day. The it gr- sounds fun. It was really fun. We did a lot of uh, – the girls are really into uh, – the twins are really into like this pretend play thing mm-hmm. where they make stuff up. And I'm not allowed to be a part of it because I, I you know, frequently get called to do other things. Yes. And you're not allowed to leave the game. You can't pause this game. I was like, all right, let's pause the game. They're like, there is no pausing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, they play a lot of pretend stuff. So it's it's kind of fun to just sit there and listen to them talk. And it's weird because they, uh, I actually got a little like, I kind of like nudged Kelly. I was like, you hear what they're playing? They were playing school. And they were oh like, my God. and I was like, why are you guys playing school? And they're like, we don't get to go to school anymore, so we're going to play school at home. And I was like, uh. That's crazy. Yeah. And I kind of felt, like, guilty because, like, you know, their school is back in partially, so I can send them. But, like, we get the updates from their district, and it's like, there was literally a girl in in my one daughter's class that had COVID, and, like, six kids had to quarantine because they were within close proximity. And I was like yeah, you know what? Uh, let's just hold off on it for a little bit. Like, I think their big thing is now is like, they, we, you know, we've been taking a lot of walks and like going to the park and stuff like that. And she, one of the girls was like, uh, Hey, can we go back to school for like the last week of school when it's all fun stuff? And I was like, well, think about it like this. What's fun about the big thing at the end of the school year. And she's like, I get to play with all my friends and, have a party and i was like do you think you're still gonna do that even with covid and all the rules and she's like yeah probably not (laughs) that's like oh that's sad i know it kind of broke my heart but at the same time it's like you know um remember like field day and how exciting all that was i i loved that i love that too i love that as an adult i I love when we have field day at my school like it's fun it's a great day it's it's time to like bond with the kids and eat ice cream and play kickball and hang out and yeah, you no, know, it's it's a good time, and it's it's just a shame that they're not going to get to experience it now. But I'm really hoping that over the summer we see a lot of cases go down, and it's you know by the time school rolls around this coming September, it'll look a lot different. Did you see? There's a new strain in New York. I did not see that. There's a there's a new strain of the virus that's running rampant in South Africa and Brazil, and it has arrived in New York City. Oh boy. We should get the that strain of the virus on the show to get its perspective on things. It's being smeared by the media. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I read that the vaccine does work on it, so I would like to get vaccinated before I get the old strain or the new strain. Yeah, I uh, 
I've actually seen if that's one of those things I've, I've been staying away from commenting or even really kind of interacting at all with Instagram Yeah, in, in that, like when I see people posting things about the vaccine, I'm like, it seems to be, it's political at this, not political. It's like the, the politics where you saw people like deeply entrenched with, I'm a Biden person or I'm a Trump person. It's now like, I'm going to get the vaccine and I'm very proud of it. And I'm doing my, you know, my part for the country and to, for everybody's health. And, you know, like you said, here's my card. (laughs) (laughs) And then the other side of it's like, how dare you put some poison in your body? It's not even approved by the FDA. And there's only a 99%, you know, like 99% of the people that get COVID survive and all this. And I'm like, you know what? I think I'm just gonna step back from this quietly. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Like, there's th- there will be someone online who I think is a relatively normal person, and then I see all this anti-vax propaganda, yeah. and I'm like, oh, so they're nuts. I- I'm hopeful now, though. Like, I-, I really do feel like over the last, like, two months or so, I've seen it gone from, like, my at least my perception of it has gone from something like, oh, my God, how much longer is this going to last to, okay. This looks like maybe we'll be able to kind of return to at least semi-normal activities over the summer. Like maybe we'll see, you know, some pretty decent and normal functions. But here's a question. Yeah. When the pandemic ends, does the podcast continue? Well, yeah. Wait, why wouldn't it? I'm just asking. Oh, yeah. Because it was born... Right at the start of the pandemic. Yeah, but this predates the pod. This pre the podcast predates the COVID. Like we, that is true. We we conceptualized and recorded this thing before we even knew there was going to be a lockdown. Yeah, like that's a yeah. It, I, I mean, I got on a train that day to come down to the city, like with no hesitation. Like, and then yeah. uh, two weeks later, it was like, yeah, we're in the house. Do you think we'll still be able to get such top tier guests as Scott Mellinger once? touring and everything starts again i don't think it should be that much of an issue uh but you know that's your department and i think <laughs> what we can do is it's one of those things where like we can kind of you know the division of labor like where you, you can send me a list of people you want me to contact and copy what you want me to say to them and i can start contacting people and pushing them in the right direction don't you think it's weird when people don't want to come on this podcast I think that's very strange. There there are bands that we know and love that I have asked who have not responded to my request to come on. Don't you think that's crazy? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> not really at all. Like I think it's totally I, I think it would be like, you know, I hesitate to say this, but I had some weirdo contact me like years ago, uh, through YouTube and he was like, I'm doing a documentary about Anthony Green and I was like, Yeah, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like he was dead serious. I mean, he was persistent too. He contacted me like three or four times and I was like, he wanted you to spill the beans on Anthony. I don't think he wanted me to spill the beans. I think he really just wanted to talk to people from Anthony's past. And in my head, I'm going like, why don't you just talk to Anthony? Like, I don't, I don't, Anthony can talk for himself. He's a big boy. Like he's going to do his own shit. Like yeah. if you want, like if you've recorded something with him and then he says, Hey, can you add some commentary about this? Like we're talking about what audience of one was. Yeah, of course. 
You know what? That puts it in perspective because, yeah, if a podcast I didn't know at all wanted to talk to me, I would be. I would probably hesitate. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, like, we're, if we're some podcast the guys don't know at all, and yeah, no one owes us anything. They, they, if they don't feel like doing it, they don't feel like doing it. Yeah, I think the other thing is, is that I, if I was someone in that position, let's let's say I was in like a really big band, and I'm not busy right now, and some podcast contacted me, it would really depend on the mood I was in when I read that individual text. Yes, that's what I always think about. <laughs> like, it's all it's all about timing, because... There are people who I have asked, and they don't respond. And then later, they're like, "Oh yeah." And I, I'm in. I'm working on th- like three different people right now that I've been working on for a while. And it's just about timing. You know what I mean? Like sometimes it just takes a while. All you have to do is come on here and talk about your life, basically. And how you can't fuck that up. I get, but they don't know that. Like they just know. No, they do because I say it in the in the oh, message oh. when I ask. Yeah, you don't know this. You don't know my every thought. No. And my every action? No. <laughs> you should preface it with something really, like, crazy sometimes. Like, yeah, we really discuss, like, you know, hardcore and the hardcore scene and, you know. Kind no, of like, I don't even mention hardcore. Oh, really? We, we're, we're beyond that. What do you talk about? What do you say? We're just come on and have a conversation about life? Yeah. Oh, okay. Music, life, and whatever else comes up. That's our slogan. <laughs> Did you even know I that? I was going to say, I didn't even know we had a slogan. <laughs> Yeah, go and read our description on uh, po- Apple Podcasts. Oh, I don't have Apple Podcasts. Tommy, you have an iPhone. I do. So you have Apple Podcasts. Oh, no, I got rid of that. Or I put it in that in one of those folders that I wrote, do not use. But you still have it. Oh, yeah, but I just don't use it. You don't routinely check to see if we have new reviews? No. Wow. I go on YouTube and look at our stuff. Oh, okay. I look on YouTube. I was going to say, if you ever go on YouTube and see a bunch of likes on like every video, it's me. Because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I, I go on with multiple accounts and I forget which one account I assigned on. And I'm just like, oh, I'll go like the video. Let's see if it's unliked. So, oh, it's unliked. I'm liking it. <laughs> well, listen, we could use the likes. Now, we're running out of time. Well, we're out of time. So listen, write us, listen to us, like us on YouTube. Give us Apple Podcast reviews. I keep asking, but I haven't seen a new one in a minute. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie to you and say there's a bunch of new ones. Like to act like we get a bunch. I'm. I'm gonna be straight up. We haven't gotten one in a minute, and we need you to give us five stars and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. I added us to a couple new platforms: uh, Amazon and Alexa. Tune in. So if you have Alexa, you can get us on that now. Yeah, man, we're out there. We're our blood is in the the algorithm. There it's out there. It's seeping through all of the internet, taking over everything, step by step, street by street, block by block, taking it all back. That's right. <laughs> so I just want to say thanks again to Scott for coming on the show, and I want to say thanks to you, the listeners, for listening to us. So that's it. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and until next time.